The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash ice. Episode 19 of the Ice Hour. Today, we're going to cook you up a nice little recipe on starting a program and cooking it up from scratch. Yes, the cooking puns are going to be everywhere as we talk to Johnson & Wales head wrestling coach Lonnie Morris in the program's 20th year, your 20th year, 23-1 and one in dual meets, ranked number three in the country. Lonnie, first, before we even talk about the performance, welcome to the Ice Hour. Thanks so much, Jason. So it's let's let's just get the cooking stuff out of the way first. Okay, Johnson & Wales nationally and, and worldwidely known as a culinary school, but it has a wrestling program. Let's just talk about the dynamic that that is and how much you have to, like, look, okay, we got more than just cooking folks. We got, we got, we got some, we got some real, real curriculum here. Exactly. I mean, that's the biggest myth. Um, the landscape at our, at our university has changed dramatically. We just built a new bio um, building. It's uh, Our curriculum's going in a different direction, more towards health sciences. Most of the kids on our team, we have probably 38 on the roster. I, I think 35 of them are business or health sciences. Um, we have we still do have culinary kids, but um, the landscape of, of the culinary uh uh, world has changed dramatically. A lot of mama and pops have, are, are throwing up these little um, cooking classes, and it's not what we have here at the university. But um, at the same time, it's it's dipped into our, our our student population. Therefore, we've had to shift gears here at the university, or uh, we wouldn't be surviving. Yeah, I mean the 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 old T-shirt said not just a cooking school. I realize you guys are kind of moving away from that a little bit, but that that you know that rings true. I know a lot of people are going there, hotel, restaurant management, things of that nature. So there's it's it's you yep. know there's there's things around food and culinary arts, but yep. you know the hotel restaurant management seems to be one of the big pro big things that's a draw to your school. Absolutely, we no matter where we go in the country. Um, when we walk in with our shirts on, they're like, hey, I went to Johnson Wales. All the hotel people. Um, nutrition is a, another big one. A lot of kids are coming and they're learning how to uh, not only the culinary side, but the nutrition side so they can write diets and, and be, uh, you know, trainers and personal trainers. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something that's one of our strengths. But also at the same time, we get kind of pigeon toed into saying, hey, that's the only thing we have here. And that's just not the case. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting, uh, and we'll get to the reasons why I know about your program uh, here in a bit, at least the early years. Of course, it's, there's there's a number of brothers that we'll talk about here in a bit, but it's like, how are wrestlers going to be sh- – it's like, okay, well, at least they can manage their own diet because they're cooking their own food. It's not just, you know, microwaving some top ramen. Yeah, it's 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 a very extensive curriculum. So what happens in our labs, if you and I are working together, I cook, you taste, and then you cook, I taste. Um, and our kids that are, are definitely uh, – I'd be so uh, fat. Eat, oh, my God. <laughs> eating, eating, clean, um, eating clean becomes an issue um, because that's part of the curriculum is you, you do have to taste. And um, it, for the people that are truly interested in our, our culinary or in the culinary world – uh, if a kid wants wrestling, he wants culinary. He, we're the only school in the country that has both. Um, there are other programs that have like a foods program, but not truly a culinary exper- experience. So, um, yeah, if you truly want that experience, um, you're going to get it here at the university. Um, and you do have to maybe get an extra workout in here or there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say if you're a heavyweight and you like to be a chef, boom, there's your spot. But uh, yeah. as, as we talk about the program, uh, again, ranked twenty, uh, twenty three and one in dual meets, number three in the country. This is not a a, a old school established like program. You started this program. This is the program's twentieth year. Started in nineteen ninety seven. You're the program's only coach. Let's just go back to those early years uh, after you left Rhode Island College as an All American. Wh- where does the the brain start moving? I mean, how did the program get started? How are you approached? Did you approach Johnson and Wales? I mean, how did the the whole program really just get planted and start growing? 
It, it really started, at, I was a teacher in Coventry, uh, Coventry High School, um, and I was at a baseball game, and a, a local SID at Johnson & Wales, John Parenti, approached me. He eventually became the athletic director. Um, he approached me and said, hey, we might start wrestling. And I was coaching high school at the time, and it, believe it or not, it was a, it was a pay cut at the time um, from my high school job, uh, my high school coaching job. And But it was just, uh, I came from a, a powerful program Coventry High School had won like 15 straight state titles and following coach McGarren or coach Smith didn't really uh interest me just because I don't think any it's it's hard to follow that and I wanted my own identity and um so what ended up happening I saw an opportunity to really just take a big ball of clay and make it my own and and uh, what ended up happening was I, I went there we started with four kids in a club and uh it, it was hard we didn't have facilities at first we were building facilities and now I mean uh we were the have-nots, and and now we we are haves. I mean, we have eight mats, two in our wrestling room. We have probably the best wrestling facilities, and one of the best wrestling facilities in the all of the Northeast. I mean, it's um, we got more than two full mats, locker room space, but then we have six mats for competitions, to host tournaments, and uh, uh, track clocks, the whole bit. So I mean, we we we've really gotten to a place where. Um, our administration supports wrestling as much as any. I mean, they're they're always traveling to the national tournament now, and it's it's just it's it's a a good place to be right now. Yeah, you're, you've got 16 All Americans in program history, and again, 16 coming since 2002. So it took you five years to get your first oh, yeah. All American. What did you learn those first five years that you look back and be like, well, I definitely know I'm never going to do that again. Yeah, I I think the first year right out the gate, I thought I was going to I was going to take on the world. We took the kids to Florida, the Florida Duels, which is used to be the old National Duels and we wrestled the the Warburgs and the Luthers and the top teams back then and and um basically out of the four dual meets and the 40 matches we won two. Um and it just I raised a ton of money that year to go down there and just get a beaten. You know, I had I had great aspirations that we were going to do great things right out the gate. And I, it really takes you about three or four recruiting classes to really get it going. And then it's, then it's retention. You got to really retain kids. And um, so I think what I did learn right out the gate is recruiting is paramount. It's the most essential thing to any college programs uh, success. Yes. Do you have to develop kids? Sure. You know, but at the same time, if you don't have the horses there, there is no one to pull the sled. So you gotta, you gotta get somebody, in the room to coach. Uh, and I've seen great coaches, great coaches. They know their X's and O's, but um, they don't, they don't embrace the recruiting part. And if you don't, you're not going to have success. It's just not going to happen. One thing I noticed about the recruiting and, and for those who are unfamiliar, because there are so many schools crammed into new England, and now you've got four schools crammed into Rhode Island, you know, Brown is there in Providence, Rhode Island college is right there down the street. I mean, Brown's right across the Providence river. I mean, like you yep. could probably, I mean, if you had a, a good arm, you could probably throw a ball, maybe get it bouncing right to Todd Beckerman's doorstep. But, you know, you also got Roger Williams, you know, 20, 20, 25 minutes away in Bristol. So you've got four college programs in Rhode Island. You've got about 70 high school programs. You've got the entire area of New England. But looking at your roster, it looks like you're hitting New York and New Jersey pretty heavily. I mean, how does that balance work with a small, non-traditional wrestling state in an area that's got a lot of competition? at the Division three level for recruiting? Well, it's kind of one of the things I've kind of prided myself in. I, I kind of adjusted the landscape here in New England, and most people were surviving on local kids. Um, and I just realized that right out the gate, I, I tried to hit Pennsylvania, but there's just so many opportunities for kids in Pennsylvania. If they didn't go to Penn State, they went to Pitch Johnstown, they went to, you know, the other local Division three programs. There's just like 40 different institutions that sponsor wrestling. And I realized that, okay, then the landscape in New Jersey had really changed, you know, and people kid around with me, you know, JWU stands for J Jersey wrestling university. Um, because I really, uh, once Kane state and Montclair state and some of the top programs back in my day, uh, they had dropped wrestling and it's a shame because it's such a, there's so many talented kids and so much depth there and quantity that you can get a kid to take second in the region or, or take sixth or seventh in Jersey and a lot of the big Division One programs are on those kids, and uh, they got it. Most of them have to leave Jersey because they can't all go to Rutgers. They can't all go to Princeton. You know, most of them, you know, 
they got to leave. So that was my business plan back in the day and getting kids to, it, we don't, ha- we do not have school on Fridays. That's a huge draw to our high school kid. Uh, we have block scheduling. So whatever you have on Monday, you have on Wednesday, whatever you have on Tuesday, you have on Thursday. We do not have school on Fridays. So you never miss uh, school for wrestling. And then it, when it's not wrestling season, if you have something on the weekend, you're a short three and a half hours from home um, to get home for a weekend for a wedding or, or any kind of event. So it's uh, that was a good fit. Now, don't get me wrong. I still need my New England kids to balance out off the uh, Yankee fans down there in uh, New Jersey and New York. But for the most part, um, we do we do much better with our New York and New Jersey kids. We're going to touch on that Yankee top uh, that Yankee comment here in a minute. But uh, as, as we look at the growth of the program, my first experience, and this is where you and I really first connected was there were kids from my wrestling club back home in Virginia. They were from Gloucester, which is the, if you're familiar with the Virginia Tidewater region, there's three peninsulas. There's, you know, where Virginia Virginia Beach and Norfolk is one side. Then you go over the James River. Then there's the peninsula, and that's Hampton Newport News. Then there's the middle peninsula, which is Gloucester and Matthews. Then there's the northern neck, which basically splits the Rappahannock and the Potomac. So now that you've got the geography lesson, there's a family of wrestlers and field hockey players from Gloucester with the last name Lenhart. You've had four of them on your team, and you've had one there probably what for the last for like seventeen of the twenty years you've been there. How yeah. how does that type of familial recruiting go when you've got one after another after another, and you're like, well, at least I know they're all wrestling the same style. Yeah, I mean, we we were just really lucky, and and uh, I I don't know if you knew Jason, but um, Marty Lenhart passed away this summer, and it, it's uh it's it's been a big loss to to the family, obviously, and a, a very private family, but also to our program because Marty was a huge supporter of Johnson and Wales wrestling, and uh, you know, it's one of the things I had a, a deep conversation with him, and you know, you're doing things right when when a family sends you not 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 just one son, but they send you their younger brother. And in our case, they sent all, all, all four of the boys. So, um, you know, I asked him point blank one time, I said, Hey, Marty, you know, first of all, he was a teacher at Virginia Commonwealth. So he got tuition exchange here at the university, but he said point blank when Ryan went up there and had a great experience and they're all tall and lanky, they look like basketball players. Um, he said when Ryan went up there and, and had a great experience, it just made sense to, to send our kids there to know that someone was going to look after our sons. So that's kind of how the, the, the pipeline came about. And uh, Ryan came up here, uh, was plagued with injuries, but he's still in the area. Um, him and his, uh, his girlfriend are, are local, and he, he works up here at a restaurant. And then uh, Brian just moved back. Him and his wife moved to Connecticut. They're about an hour away. Uh, Collins living, working as an accountant up in um, the Massachusetts area. And then, uh, and then you got Brennan who's, who moved to, believe it or not, Anita moved here to my old town, Coventry, and bought a house. Um, and then Brennan and um, uh, Anita are living in, in Rhode Island now. Um, so it's great to have them, and they were a huge part of our program from '02 to really uh, 2002. 11, 12, there was a Lenhart in our lineup. Um, they were mainstays, and we got four plaques out of that family, so it was great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sitting there, and I, I think, and for, for, for people that want to understand, there's, I think, 13 or 14 kids that were in the family, and the joke was back in Virginia that, well, one, the boys wrestled and the girls played field hockey. And you had, at one point, I think you had four college athletes in that family at the same time because I think there were two girls playing field hockey and two boys on the wrestling team up there with you. And it was like, man, I can only just imagine what, you know, I think Gloucester High School had a Lenhart in it every year since 1982. So uh, that's that's a wrestling fame, and I want to make sure that uh, I, I give them the credit because they were always good to me back in Virginia. And always one of those things, you'd see them, and you'd, you'd just walk up, and she would just, uh, you know, Anita would just start talking to you because she always had something to say about wrestling. And, and that's the one thing yeah. that really helped me get familiar with your program. But we get, yeah. we, we get past that, and the, the familiarity, you start putting guys on the podium, and yep. when you build a program, what was it like with that first All American in two thousand two? You like, you know, it's like that. The it's there, it's there. Ugh, and it, yeah, it I mean, we we our first All American still with us. He never went home. He was from New Hampshire. He was second in New Hampshire, fourth in high school New England. He wasn't a decorated high school wrestler by any stretch of the means. He actually got tech falled in the semifinals of the New Englands. And everyone's like, why are you recruiting this kid? He just had amazing hips. And I knew we were going to be able to show him some stuff that we, we teach. And and uh, the same kid that tacked him in high school, long story short, he – 
pinned and beat eight to four in the in the region finals. So, and then he went on to be an All American, and and it really opened up the floodgates for us to, to get better recruits, and um, and then from there. Obviously, the Lenhart cemented that. We started getting uh, better and better kids. Uh, we got a couple of New Jersey State champs that really put us on the map. Steve Martell, uh, Diego Crespo. Um, they're, you know, high-profile high kids that got us. Uh, Brandon McDonough was a culinary kid that was free. He beat Joey Slayton back in the day. Um, you know, so those, those uh, type of recruits we were getting um, they just really put us on the map after 04. Yeah, and one thing about this, and this is not unique to Division Three, but for the longest time, you were a part-time coach. You were you were teaching at, at high schools. You were you were vice principal. You were you were in administration. So you were splitting your time between high school and then going to work and and, and putting the shoes on at Johnson and Wales. It, it was not a, a fun experience all the time. I mean, it was hard. Part of the reason why we've been successful too, and I knew after the first year of pulling my hair out, not having, you got to have great assistant coaches and people that believe in the same thing. You have a similar vision. And if you don't believe in them, you got to get rid of them and get somebody else. And we had a, a young kid that wasn't ready back in the day. And we ended up, I knew Brian Allen, who was my teammate at Rhode Island college, who's two time all American. Um, really, uh, I knew he was going to be, um, very important to to make making our program take another step because when I was out on the road I needed somebody to hold down the fort until I got back and uh, you can't try to micromanage do everything the most important thing is is to make sure it's a team effort and uh, he's like that and uh, bringing him on was was huge in making a a step towards the right direction of being a national program. Yeah, how's his face doing? By the way, he took a uh, took a nice little spill a week. Well, I, I yell at him all the time. We're getting we're getting a little long in the tooth. We're getting our upper forties now, and and uh, he still thinks he can wrestle with the kids. He's forty eight years old, and he thought he'd do a little funk roll on our one one thirty three pounder, and he caught a knee to the face and broke his orbital bone in his nose. And I think he learned a valuable lesson. I think it's time to start slowing down, but I don't know that he ever will because he just loves to compete with the kids, you know. I don't know. Funk rolls a young man's game. That's not something you guys came up with. Uh, you know, that's, no. that, let, let the kids deal with that one. For sure. One thing about the program that, that you have also implemented, you've been very active in the, in the best of brand with the NWCA and Court Cooper's elite level sports marketing. And of course, this also goes to Coach Allen and what he's doing with that. But you don't call them dual meets. You, when you have a home event, you call it an event and you make it an event. Let's talk about what it's like to go to a Johnson and Wales wrestling event on campus. Yeah, I mean it's it's got a buzz. I mean we're we're one of the programs that that we we turn a profit at our our gate and it's uh the success is absolutely we came back from the uh, convention one year and Coit was there and he had this big thing about marketing your program and you you can't just expect people just to show up. You have to give them a reason to show up. And um you know whether it's like this year we gave away 400 burritos for Moe's. Uh, Welcome to Moe's. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we did all that stuff. Um, and I came back and obviously I'm doing the recruiting. I'm doing all the others. I said, "Yeah, I think you'd be good at this." And he's really taken it to another level. I mean, they've had to really almost create a different award for him because he really probably should win the award for Division One. Um, we've knocked off some Division One programs when when it comes to, you know, the best of brand, and it's he's just amazing at what he does. He's very passionate about it, um, and it, it it just it really gets people out of the dorms and into our uh, into the stands, and we do other things too. We invite little kids. We bought a spotlight. Um, we have little kids wrestling before our matches. Uh, we'll have an MMA fighter who's very popular locally. Uh, Brennan Ward came and signed autographs one year. Uh, we've even contemplated bringing in some WWE wrestlers. We had some dancers do a halftime show. We'll do whatever it takes to get um, people there. We, we've we kind of taken the theme from MMA and WWE. We have a smoke show where the kids walk out of the doors. We have uh, up on the big screen, they have their own music. They introduce themselves like Monday Night Football. You know, they'll, they'll say, you know, Brennan Lenhart, um, Gloucester, Virginia, you know, like they do the whole thing. So there's a lot that goes into it, you know, but uh, it's all worth it because it's the experience. That's what it's about. The mission statement is all about creating an exceptional experience for students. And that's what we're trying to do. When you create that experience, the local community, I mean, when people think Rhode Island wrestling, they're, they're, they're probably not thinking a whole lot. So when you go it's outside hockey. of New England, hockey. Yeah. yeah, 
when you go outside of New England, you tell people that you've you've got this many, you know, a couple hundred people each and every time jammed into your gym, and they're like, "Well, how? I mean, how is how have you yeah. tried to really cultivate the wrestling culture in in, in Rhode Island?" Yeah, there's there's only about 32 high schools, um, and it's we we really get we we ask. I mean, we just we put it out there. We do some. Uh, we use Riccio Productions. It's been um, very important in, in the success of these events, um, and he puts together great little uh, hype videos to get them excited about coming. And the next thing you know, it's uh, you get it rolling. And and uh, even in the ones where we do. It's not even a highly contested match. We're, we're, we're reaching close to a thousand people. It's unbelievable. So it's uh, we try to get our recruits to come to that because usually if they come to that, they want to be a part of it because they want to run out of the tunnel and they want to be a part of that. And um, yeah, it's it, it's it's rolling right now. It's very successful, and uh, we're going to keep it going. And it's a lot of work, Jason. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it takes away from coaching uh, because at the D3 level, we don't have a huge staff to to take on all that. So Brian and I end up taking all of it on, but I think it's, it's very important in creating that experience for the kids. The other thing that we do a little different, a traditional Lehigh lineup where we have our benches, those go further back and we put almost similar like the NBA basketball. We line the mat with VIP seating and we put all our higher ups there. We put our vice president, our uh, deans and uh, all our honored guests there. Um, and it, it's made a huge difference. Yeah. As far as the landscape in division three goes, it is the draw very help. I mean, we talked about the proximity of these schools, but what is the rivalry like across all sports with Rhode Island college and Roger Williams that does that really help with, with getting the local community behind it? Because, you know, I, I am, I am ignorant when it comes to what, what it's like sports wise yeah. with those programs. I mean, how is that that relationship and you know the healthy rivalry? Uh, there's some angst in yeah. other sports. I mean, how do you build off of that? Well, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, it, it, both Brian and I went, were all Americans at, at, at Rhode Island College, so we have ties to that school. So our alum, all the alumni and all our friends and teammates, when we wrestle them, they're up in the stands texting us, you know, giving us uh, giving us a hard time, you know, and uh, you know, it, it's been a healthy. Re- you know, Jay was our teammate. Um, again, we love our, our we love to see Rhode Island College have success, as Coach Allen says, just not when they wrestle Johnson and Wales. Um, and they just got a new president as a has a wrestling background. So I think good things are to come uh, eventually over there. That'll start rolling back over there. That's I'm hoping um, because they haven't always been supported the way they should. Um, and then with Roger Williams, the tie is really. Uh, you know, we've always had a healthy relationship, uh, uh, rivalry uh, with Roger Williams, just because our first match ever in '98, '99, with all freshmen, they were ranked like fifth in the in the region. We knocked them off, um, and that set the tone for that little rivalry there. And uh, finally, we got them. You know, they they had it rolling for us for a few years, and we finally got them back this year and uh, got it got it going back the other way. And uh, we got to keep it that way. Um, they're they're a very good program. They got a young coach who's who's uh, very uh, aggressive with recruiting, and and he, he he's going to keep getting good kids. So we got to keep pace with them. You, you mentioned Brennan Ward and the MMA thing, and that, that goes to my next question. In terms of you've got the All Americans, you're still without a Division three national champion, and going into uh, one year, you had an undefeated. Your Jerome Owens was number one seed, undefeated going in. And the yep. Division Three tournament can spit you out and chew you up. Wrestling fans yep. need to know that crazy things happen in D3. When you're still waiting for that champion, how does a situation like Owens happen? And then what does that do for you as a coach? And, and how, how, you know, I mean, it's got to be heart wrenching. Yeah, it's it, it's brutal. Uh, you know, it, you know, you you work so hard towards one goal, and uh, sometimes that goal, when you're an All American, and the ultimate goal is to be a national champ, and you don't, you know, you're not going to be a national champ. Some kids mentally just uh, can't overcome that, and so we talk to our kids about this. The goal in the regionals this weekend, the regionals are Saturday Sunday. We tell our kids. The goal is to be wrestling on Sunday, right? Because if you're, 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 if your ultimate goal is to get to nationals, you can't get there if you're not wrestling on sun, Sunday. So it, it goes to, for the same thing for the national tournament. The goal is to wrestle on Saturday. And then the goal is to get to the 
semis, then the nationals, the national championship will come. It drives us crazy when the kids all spit out national champ like it's past the bread. And there's only been four or five ever in the history of our conference. So we try to tell the kids all the time, your goal is to get to Saturday. And then you worry about too many times kids put the cart before the horse and they start talking about All-American. Hey, let's win our first match. Hey, let's win the next match. Yes, that is the ultimate goal. But uh, sometimes when your goal is so lofty and then you lose, that that uh, commitment to wrestle all the way back to take a third isn't always there. And that's scary to me. So it's we tell the kids all the time, let's get to Sunday. And when we're in lacrosse, the goal is to get to Saturday. Um, and then the goal is to become a national champ, obviously. And we got some kids that are going to compete this year. And uh, that's exciting to us. They got four guys ranked right now in the D- latest D3 rankings uh, by the NWCA Coach Association. Any of those four you think that really have that realistic shot of being on that raised stage this year I, come lacrosse? I, I really do. I think we have five guys that, that really, if they if they wrestle, um, they're, they're a tough out depending on how the brackets are and where they're at and matchups. Um, I think all of them have an outside shot uh, to get there, get to the podium. Um, you know, there's that, that young man who from Wabash is pretty darn good at 97, but I think Cam Thomas can go with anyone in the country, um, you know, but he's on a different level, that kid there. And, uh, you know, but I, I think uh, Jarrell is one of those guys that he's just taking his training to a whole nother level and he, he's ready to go and he's made the commitment to drop down a weight class. Um, so that's exciting. Bobby Jordan, Albus, LaBelle, all these kids uh, have really made a commitment as a group to get as many guys to the lacrosse and, and make a run at this thing. Not just for an individual, but we're going to go after the Bergs too. We're trying to win, man. We're not just going to go there and just say, oh, it is what it is. National tournament's a funny thing, man. You you only need like five or six kids and you can compete. And that's the goal. We just want to compete. And, and the goal is to win a national tournament. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to get after it. You know, when we look at the way the national tournament's set up, and again the wildness, the craziness that happens in D three, I've, I've said it for years. There's always a one seed that goes down. Uh, unfortunately, it was one of your guys one year. But when we talk about Brennan Ward, here's a guy that made the finals as a number eight seed in 2010. Uh, has parlayed that into a pretty successful MMA career. But when what's it like as a coach to get that opportunity? You knowing you've built this program from scratch, you are the only coach it's ever seen. And when you finally get a guy punched through to get that to get announced and he's up on that race platform that yeah, and you're in your suit, you're right there looking good. I mean, it's, it's right there. I mean, that feeling, even though you haven't gotten the championship yet, just getting to that stage, how much of a, of, 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 of a level jump is that? Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. We tell the kids all the time, whether it's nationals, regionals, tournaments are a roller coaster. You're going to have somebody get upset that's not supposed to. Then you're going to have a kid punch his ticket through to the finals that wasn't supposed to. And you got to ride those waves. And that's, uh, you know, when Brennan made it, it was exciting because he beat a defending national champ. And uh, um, But, you know, the roller coaster of that, the following year, you know, uh, he didn't place. You know, he had a broken hand going into the the national tournament. Part of this, uh, Jason, is who's got the healthiest legs underneath them going into these tournaments. And some kids are limping in, and some kids are healthy. And uh, you got to be, you know, some kids are battling sickness. You know, we're just praying that we're going into the weekend, we're healthy, uh, we're fresh, and we're ready to go. Um, but getting to the, obviously that's the ultimate. You know, you get up on that stage, you're part of that. Um, but, uh, you know, part of that year was a disappointment because he didn't get it done, you know. So um, our ultimate goal, we, we're hoping we get that first, get it, get off that snide, and we get finally get a champ. That is the goal. But at the same time, uh, the biggest goal we, we talk about is our team goals. And the, the individuals that are selfish, if they get selfish, the team goals will come. As far as the team goes, too, you've put together a, a very impressive dual meet team. I mean, actually, you and Roger Williams have, I think maybe the first and second most dual meet wins across all of NCAA wrestling. I think you're you're 23. I think they're at 20 or 21. So a lot of dual meet wins. When you look at the arguments that go across all the levels about uh, what what should happen with the NCAA championships, whether you know because if if something happens in Division One, it's probably going to impact Division Three very very shortly, if not right away. Where do you stand on uh, your thoughts about? Uh, maybe having a dual element that adds to uh, you know, potential points for the national championship because so much of this has been focused on Division One. What's your opinion on on the Division Three argument here? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of 
going to be all the way to the left on this one because while I love the national tournament and I love how successful it is, not on our, just on our level, but also on the Division One, uh, I'm also a football guy who who became a wrestler. I, I played a football, baseball, became a wrestler. Uh, that was my, my third sport. So uh, the traditional people that only thing they know is wrestling, they're diehards and they don't want to change much. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, the, the, uh, the dual meet is what's going to save our sport. And I, I'm a firm believer that anyone who's an average fan or, or just a kid on campus, they're willing to give us an hour and a half. They just don't understand our whole tournament thing. We're talking about it now. Half the people in our sport don't even know how we score the national tournament. Okay. We're just getting people to understand how we score the dual meet. It's a little bit easier to understand. Um, but the bottom line is I think that the simpler we can get it, I think team is a dual meet. Our team versus your team, that should define the national championship. I'll give you one example. There was one year Lenhart went by himself to the national tournament. He made All-American. He placed higher than a team that had eight qualifiers. It's People don't understand that. You talk to the average fan. They don't get how could one kid – that's not a team. How does that one kid um, place higher than a team with eight guys? So it's just tough for the people that aren't involved in our sport to understand the craziness in our sport and how we score it and everything else. Um, you can have two kids, three kids take you and you finish top 10 in the country. But I would argue that's not a team that you have two, two kids don't define your team. There are a lot of other kids that define your team. And uh, we pride ourselves in dual meets and, uh, and I get pushed back with a lot of my young assistants saying no one remembers 23 and one. They remember a national title and we should just be focused on our top kids, get them to the tournament um, but I think you can do both. Um, but if you're asking me, Jay, I would like to see eventually a true national championship that is defined by the dual meet. And then your 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 uh, national tournament would be really just for individual success in their All-American plaque. Um, and I know I'm, I'm on an island on that. And a lot of people in our sport are probably going to be mad with me, but that's how I feel. Well, one thing with Division Three too, uh, let's look at the last 16 years. It hasn't impacted which one of the two teams. It's, it was either going to be an Augsburg or a Wartburg, regardless of the format. Yep. <laughs> I mean, w- without a doubt. I mean, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I, I always say they the, those two programs always get high-profile uh, transfers. And I think that's one, one of the things that separates their programs from ours um, and, and other programs. I mean, they just have success on getting a midseason transfer all the time or they get a kid who's a high-profile recruit. That for whatever reason, they were going to University of Minnesota, now they're going to Augsburg, or a kid that was at Iowa State. One year, Wartburg had a kid that still had his Iowa State headgear on, and then he, you know, so it, <laughs> it just is what it is. I mean, it's, you're competing. No one, no one from Brown's transferring to Johnson and Wales. You know, um, we're trying to develop a relationship with the, some of the New Jersey schools, and but at the same time, um, you know, we we got to deal, deal with the hand we've been dealt, and uh you know, we're going to focus on our positives and, and uh, we're not always going to be able to get a high profile transfer. So it's we got to, you know, move forward either way. We look at the growth of Division three over 100 schools. We're, we're adding them left and right. And we're also seeing new programs in New England. Uh, unfortunately, Daniel Webster as a school is closing down, but uh, New England College picked it up and, and uh, picked up a, a program there and running with it. Uh, Scott Legacy. At Castleton, uh, they've been a pretty aggressive dual meet schedule this year, picking up some wins, and we're seeing a lot of growth. What's that mean for Division Three wrestling and wrestling as a whole in New England to see the growth, not just in, in areas in the South, but also where there are strong pockets of Division Three wrestling like New England? Right. I think uh, the reason why most institutions are going Division Three or NAIA is just because it, a lot of it's not based on money. It's about just an opportunity to participate. Um, and it's wrestling's a, a, a very inexpensive uh, sport to start. Once you buy the mat and some uniforms and hire a coach, there's not really much else. Um, you know, so you can, you know, you can start a program pretty easily and with the help of the NWCA, it's even easier. Um, and I think you're, you're seeing that growth because it's a great way to put 30, 30 seats in a, in a desk, you know? And so, um, I think at the Division One, there's a lot of challenges to start programs nowadays. It's just hard to get it going, and and you've we're kind of dying a slow death at those other levels because 
uh, there's a scholarship money involved and stuff. And all those, all those logistical things don't come into play at our level. And I think that's why you're seeing the growth so much. When you see, you said your roster is about 38 deep right now. What's that mean to your university president as far as the bottom line goes? Because uh, tuition's probably not uh, not on the on the cheaper side when you're coming when you're talking about a school in, in that region with that type of uh, curriculum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, you know the the goal you you got to have your roster up, and um, you can't be walking around with six or seven kids on your in your program because then you're giving them a reason to say why should we have wrestling. Um, it's, you know, we got it going pretty good right now. So people want, they don't quit. You know, no one wants to quit when you're winning, but there's years where if we're, we're, uh, you know, 15 and six or whatever, you, you, it's hard for kids. Wrestling's hard, Jason. I mean, think about it. These, these kids are grinding every day and we set up our schedule. So even our, our third and fourth string guys going to wrestle 20 times. But at the same time, it's hard to come in every day and not be the guy and keep showing up. And then we get we as we start winning, you get better recruits. And then those recruits come in and they replace your current guys. And it's a hard conversation that a lot of kids have to have with you and say, you know, I love it, coach, but hey, I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, we always try to steer those kids to beat the streets. Um, we try to steer them to to officiating because God knows that officiating is is in, in trouble right now. We need good officials. We got officials that are officiating that I, I'm not sure. so sure they even wrestled a day in their life. So it's, uh, we need to get young, young people in the pipeline coming through. Um, and you, we got to, as coaches, we got to prime our, you know, prep our guys to get out there, not only to coach youth wrestling or high school wrestling, uh, but be officials as well. Yeah, you, and I want to circle back to what you'd said about the the roster, and then getting them twenty thirty matches. You just before we even started, you talked about hosting the futures tournament, and I talked to Jason Holder about this on the previous episode. That there is a you know the futures tournament is something unique to New England. Something also you guys do the exhibition matches with each dual meet typically uh, if you carry because I guess there's there's the shorter distances you can carry more kids. It's not a, a super huge cost, but how much has that really helped your retention rate? When you're getting, you've got opportunities, not just the opens where you can, okay, we can enter two here, but you've got a whole tournament that's geared not for starters. And then you've got exhibition matches, which do count on their season record form should they get thrown into the lineup. But you, you're, sure. you're creating more than just a 10 match event or, okay, only these 10 guys or 15 guys are getting, getting action in this tournament. It's critical. I mean, I, I get frustrated with some of the, uh, the administrators, they're short-sighted and uh, they get worried about, um, you know, not, luckily we don't have that here at, at the university. We're supported, but it drives me crazy when some of the other administrators and, and local administrators um, that are right across the city that don't support it. And they got seven or eight kids and you're talking peanuts to send kids over to this tournament to let them participate. And that's tuition dollars. If they have a positive experience, they're going to, they're going to come back and keep paying tuition. Why would they stay somewhere that they train all week and then the administration doesn't pay to let them to go compete? It's just frustrating. That, that bothers me um, um, for the landscape of New England wrestling when some of the administration, they don't support these coaches. Some of the coaches are part-time and it's, it, their budget's not large. We're talking under 20 grand to for the, run the entire program as a part-time coach. And it's, that's frustrating to me because if you can retain those kids and give them a positive experience, those kids are going to lead uh, to other recruits down the road and they're going to tell their friends and uh, they might lead to a high profile recruit um, or they become alumni and they become very successful. And they're the ones that come back with a huge uh, donation to help uh, endow your program someday. Um, but it just that is frustrating uh, that some programs don't support uh, bigger rosters or travel budget because it's not, it's short money for the experience of what you're going to get for, out of the tuition. Yeah, and you you talked about uh, the you know the futures and hosting tournaments. Uh, well, is this something you've learned? Uh, don't host three tournaments in one year. <laughs> oh, it's it's a lot of work and and it's a lot of lot of stress and you tax your 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 um your athletic department. You tax your kids. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work on us as far as moving mats and doing all that uh, because no one – I mean, our staff has, has become knowledgeable about it, but it's really you and your kids who who run the tournament. And it's a lot of work, um, 
But at the same time, it is nice sleeping in your own bed. But uh, I don't think – I think maybe one tournament will be our uh, focus next year, not three. <laughs> As we, You mentioned something earlier about your recruiting and trying to counterbalance the Yankee fans. Uh, you, you've got you've got a tie there to the sport of baseball. You just want to go into that a little bit? Um, not really, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> you got to you got to you got to yeah. quantify the Yankee comment somehow. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we're we're pretty big Red Sox fans up here. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a friendly rivalry, not just with baseball but football too. As you know, our Patriots won the Super Bowl. Uh, go Pats! And uh, so there's a lot of haters on our our wrestling team that root for the Giants and uh, 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 root for those other teams down in New York and New Jersey. So uh, it's a friendly rivalry up here um, between the the guys on the team. Um, sometimes uh, we'll we'll do a little uh, losers have stares, you know. So, uh, but it, it's good. It's it's a fun fun thing with the rivalries. Yeah, not give me anything on that Fenway line, are you? All right, anyway, I'll, leave, I'll leave that as it is. But, but back yeah. to the growth situation, and and this is kind of we we've moved into somewhat uh, the, the the waters that each coach in Division Three really has uh, an opinion on, and that's the regionalization. And and this goes to the 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 growth of New England. They're adding more programs, and they're they're cramming in and cramming in and cramming in. And prior to the new qualification system. You guys had a a true double elimination tournament. I mean, it was like just because you made yeah. the finals doesn't mean okay, okay, that's it. No, you could conceivably have the guy that's coming back through. I mean, a weird dynamic. Then you've got the regionals going to six for the qualifiers. I mean, and then now the the number of teams is also an issue. But let's just start with how it used to be versus how it is now. Yeah, it was it was it was that way for one reason and one reason only. There were only 11 guys that got to go to Nationals way back in the day. And that's back when I was a kid. You know, if you didn't win it, you didn't go cuz very rarely uh were you going to get that one wild card. So it it the hardest part really was just getting there. Um, you know, we left to all Americans home back then. Um so the regions creating the regions has definitely been a positive without a doubt. We've got 30 guys going, um, but we've combined with the Empire Schools. So traditionally, it, it's been pretty split. You know, uh, the four Empire Schools at one time, now Oswego's moved over. Those four schools, when we first started the region, would take traditionally 15 guys um, or 12 or 13 to 15 guys. And then we would take our our uh, our 15 guys um, out of the other, um, you know, 16 schools in our conference. So we did increase our our numbers. We got three extra spots to the national tournament. Uh, so in ele- instead of eleven, three we got three or four more spots. Um, but I I really struggle with the fact the regions are so lopsided right now. You know, and uh, the fact that we have nineteen, um, and you know um, the Mid East and some of the schools where Messiah, they're just so uh, lopsided right now, and and just I don't know that that gives every every uh, every program um, equal access to the national tournament. And uh, that I thought was going to change this year. It was voted on to change. And somehow, some way, politics played a part in it. And it's sad that that's happening at the uh, NCAA tournament or the NCAA offices, that there are actually that, that kind of nonsense going on because uh, a technicality of not having six representatives in each region at the table, that could have been done over a phone call. Um, that could have been done in 20 minutes as soon as the, the in the fall that came out. And the fact that we're going into the national tournament with uh, one one region with 11 teams and most of the other regions with 18, 19, it's just it's mind-boggling to me. So when it comes to the conference like the new for, – for those who are unfamiliar, the New England Wrestling Association – Technically, is a wrestling conference, even though that there are several uh, smaller conferences within that. You know, the all sports conferences. You guys, for example, uh, I believe part of the Pilgrim League. So, uh, with that infrastructure, um, there the NEWA as a whole really probably doesn't have a whole thing. Well, we all need to stay together. If, if some of these New England teams need to move out of a region, uh, it seems like and, and you know, kind of domino effect to the West. What's 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 the opinion there with with the schools up in New England? I would assume they'd have no problem with that based on what I'm hearing. Right. I mean, well, I mean, I think the administrators would. I mean, I think that's, again, one of the 
the unique situations with me is being an administrator at, at a public high school, um, you sit on both sides and, and, and as an administrator, the, the most important thing is budget and being able to afford wrestling, you know, and it's, you know, you're sending teams that, that are traditionally travel two hours, four and six hours everywhere they go. Um, that, that really puts a stress on, on a, on a program and a, on an athletic department. And then the question whether or not we should keep wrestling. So regional, when you're talking about regionalizing the, the country, that, that's exactly what it says. You're, you're taking programs and putting them in a region so that the, the ability to afford the sport is there. Um, I, I tell you that it, if I could afford it, I would love to fly out and, and go compete in, in the West region right now. I think I could get eight to 10 guys out to the national tournament, you know? Um, but at the same time, I don't think my AD would support that because it would cost so much to get out there. So, uh, yes, I don't, I don't think any of the teams, uh, would have a problem going to a different region. It's the cost, you know, if we can afford it, we would love it. I mean, it's crazy that lacrosse is driving four to six hours to get down to Wabash, get into Indiana, and they're driving right by where the regional is being hosted. That's nuts to me. So, uh, and, and I think coach would say that too, you know, um, Malachek would say the same thing. I mean, so we got to get it right. We got to fix it. Hopefully they get it fixed this spring. Um, and I hope that none of the politics come into play and, and it, it just gets done the right way. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be good for kids and good for programs. Yeah, let's talk about lacrosse for a little bit. As as uh, that is the host this year for the Division Three Championships. Of course, you got the regionals coming up before that. But uh, you've you've been to the last you know eighteen to twenty of these things. What is it about lacrosse that that leads to a really good tournament? Uh, it's, I mean, I, I know it's it's a lot of different people, but Coach Malachak, he's just the man. You know, it's, he's a great guy and great coach, and uh, puts a lot into his program and. Um, there, there are a lot of those coaches across the country that if they're hosting, you know, it's going to be done first class and, and their administration supports wrestling and it's huge. So, I mean, that, that's, I don't know if you want a big fancy answer, but that's, that's what I got for you. Yeah. And as far as your regionals go, you just go right down the road to Bristol at Roger Williams hosting, you know, uh, you'd mentioned John Egan and being a young aggressive coach, Dave Kemi been, was a coach there for a long time now at administration. So, uh, not a very long trek for, for your regionals. So you guys should be fairly well rested. Uh, to prepare for getting to lacrosse. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's right down the road. We're still going to stay in a hotel. Uh, we could stay in our own beds, but we get worried about, you know, losing a guy that morning. Um, so we're going to stay in a local hotel and just uh, keep the guys together, get them over there. And we're going to train hard this week. The, the hard part is we're on trimesters, not semesters. So all our kids have exams this week, which is a challenge. But like I said, we, you, you uh, focus on your positives and, uh, we'll figure it out, and the kids will be ready to go. When it comes to the Division Three atmosphere, you were there as an athlete. You've been there as a coach. What's the one thing that that you can tell the world that's a Division One, Division Two, or NAI? You know, a fan of another school in another division. That's that's the best part about coaching and being a part of Division Three. Well, I tell recruits all the time. You know, uh, they'll they'll say, "Well," and I don't think high school kids truly know the landscape of wrestling. They all think that there's just an endless supply of, of, of money. And they don't realize that most Division One programs have one or two scholarships to give a year. Yeah, they might split them up and the school's 50 grand and they're going to give them books and you still got to come up with 35000 to go to the school or whatever uh, after financial aid or whatever it is. They don't truly know the landscape. So we're able to get good kids because if we hustle and you, you're, you're talking to these kids, there's a there's not a lot of opportunities. It's not like we have thousands of college wrestling programs. There's probably only about a little over 2,000 varsity spots across all wrestling. So bottom line is if you hustle, you can get good kids. And I tell kids all the time, well, you don't offer scholarships. I go, okay, high school doesn't offer scholarships, so why do you wrestle? Okay, that's why you should wrestle in college. Same reason, you love the sport. Um, and so many kids are like, well, if I'm not going to get a scholarship, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to wrestle. That's just nonsense to me. Um, and as you know, the Ivies don't all offer scholarships. So, I mean, there's not a ton of money, Jason, out there. And I would love for maybe that's a great topic for the next ice hour, maybe, or, or, uh, the next, uh, Matt talk is, 
you know, get someone on there and truly say what the percentage of scholarships that are out there for student athletes, division one, two, NAI, I don't think it's very high. So the bottom line is, unless you're one of the elites, like a Mark, Mark Hall, you know, that type of recruit, not many kids are getting full rides anymore. So the smaller schools like a Johnson and Wales, um, we can get good kids. You know, we can get kids that had aspiration of going out and getting a, a division one scholarship. And then all of a sudden no one's knocking on the door and no one's calling them. And this, this uh, guy from uh, Providence keeps on calling them. Um, and next thing you know, they come up on campus. They see how supported the sport is here on campus. They love our facilities. They love the environment. And next thing you know, like, oh, my God, that kid's going to Johnson & Wales. So um, that's why we got it rolling. And uh, we'll give a shout-out to Coach Deagle down in Iowa style. We've got about seven of his kids, and he, he always is pushing his kids to go Division One uh, with NC State and all those guys. But um, we got it rolling, and he, he tells us all the time. It's like it's it, Kids don't want to really know about uh, – I, I said this to someone the other day. Kids don't want to hear about how good you were or how good your program is. They want to hear where they fit into your program. That's the most important thing. So uh, that's my tip of the day out there for uh, some of the younger coaches. You know, you know, where does that kid and parents want to – obviously the cost. And then, uh, you know, where does that kid and where does, does their son fit into your program? That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and the one thing I'll also add about the scholarship thing is there's a lot more academic money out there floating around than there is athletic money. So just remember, keep that in mind, because even if you can't get an athletic scholarship, there's there's plenty of academic opportunities across all divisions, too. Absolutely. And I talk to kids about this, and I talk about it at the convention. National student organizations, things like DECA, it's a marketing club, FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America, um, uh, ROTC, any of those programs that a lot of our kids that are involved in athletics kind of think, oh, that, that's that's for the, the geeky kids. They're missing the boat because there's so much money, like you said, academic money out there that is far greater than you'll ever get uh, in a wrestling room. So that's a great point. Talking with Lonnie Morris here on the Ice Hour as the Wildcats get ready for the regionals and Division Three championships. Lonnie, I'd like to thank you for your time out there, and, and congratulations on the program's 300th win. 23 dual meet victories, number three ranking, and we'll see you in lacrosse. Hey, Jason, thanks for all you do. Talk online.com.